0: Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, friendship is the gift of the Holy Spirit, and this congregation, especially, has been a great friend to CBF. Thank you for this celebration of this week. But let me say a word, especially, about Doyle and his ministry here and his leadership in CBF. You are a well known congregation because of the honor and energy of your leader. Uh, so many people around the country and around the world in ministries and countries far and wide and in the, in the network of CBF ministry uh, know you through Doyle's ministry, through his friendship, through his positive spirit, through his willingness to be a part of so many endeavors over these last 25 years. Thank you, Doyle, so much. Just recently, he joined a group of mostly younger pastors in Washington, D.C., and after that meeting, I happened to be with one of those younger pastors who said, thank you, CBF, for the opportunity because I never would have met somebody like Doyle. I'm just starting my ministry. And it was so important to talk with him and see this, the way in which God has worked in his life. So I thank you so much for the congregation you are. And thank you, Doyle, for your leadership here. Let's pray. Lord, words and word, among the many words, find us with your word for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read two passages from the early chapters of Matthew that are about the beginnings of Jesus' ministry. This first from Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus arrived at the Jordan River from Galilee. And he came to John to be baptized by him. John tried to dissuade him. Do you come to me, he said? I need rather to be baptized by you. But Jesus replied to him, Let it be so for the present. We do well to conform in this way with all that God requires. And then John allowed him to come for baptism. After baptism, Jesus came up out of the water at once. And at that moment, heaven opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove to alight upon him. And a voice from heaven was heard saying, This is my Son, my beloved, on whom my favor rests. And just a few verses later in chapter 4... Verses 18 through 22, Jesus continues the beginning of his ministry by calling his disciples. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee when he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. They left their nets at once and followed him. And he went on, and he saw another pair of brothers, James son of Zebedee and his brother John, and they were in the boat with their father Zebedee, overhauling their nets. He called them, and at once they left their boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of God. This morning, I want to talk to you about the ampersand. Now, the ampersand is a small character. You saw it in the children's sermon. It languishes on your keyboard right above the number 7, or on your cell phone, right? You see it all the time. What you may not know is the history of this symbol. The ampersand actually originated in the first century, just when the scriptures were being written. And it is it was originated by Latin scribes, Roman scribes who were transcribing Latin. And they took the two letters that make up the Latin word and, the E, which looks kind of like a three, and the T, which kind of had a slant to it, and they put those two characters together that spelled the word and to make this symbol, the E and T. Over time, the combined letters came to signify the word and in Latin. And then, in later centuries, the symbol came to mean and in English as well. Now, this little symbol was persistent in English. In fact, you may not know this, but it became the 27th letter of the English alphabet. That's right. And so, the origin um, of this name was came about because in the... 1800s, in British schools, as British school children were learning their alphabet, they would say X, Y, Z, and. Well, it sounded like you were waiting for something else to come, and so the proper British school teachers of the time said, well, now children, uh, this is and, but we're meaning it as the symbol, so we're saying and, per se, and. And as the children ran that together, and per se, and, that's how we got the word ampersand. Now, um, it's no longer, of course, the 27th letter of our alphabet, but with the invention of type and typewriters, it took its place on keyboards, ubiquitous everywhere. Um, The ampersand, it's a powerful symbol For our time, there is tremendous power in and, and as a community of 21st century Baptists and Christians, we have actually been ministering and missioning as a living witness to the power of and. There's a yearning in the Spirit to come together. You and you and you and you to come together to worship God. What does the Scripture say? Where two or three are gathered together. This yearning of being more than one. To some degree, we've built our identity on a cooperative kind of Christianity. Cooperative Christianity working together, coming together overlooking our differences for a better kingdom of God, cooperative Christianity is an ampersand endeavor. And this is what I mean when I say about CBF, you can be alone or you can be a fellowship. The way in which we join together, you and you and this church and that church and this ministry and that ministry, a network, a denominational network, we call ourselves. Not unlike the early churches of the New Testament, they were a collection, a cluster, each one different but and each one struggling. We're grateful to Paul for writing these letters to remind us that over all the centuries in Christian history, churches have been different, challenges have been different. Expressions and reflections of a great community... Loosely woven together, but reflecting our each individual context in leadership and call. This ampersand endeavor of Christianity, you and you, is not relativism. It's not watering down the gospel. The ampersand is addition, not subtraction. Christianity, cooperative Christianity, is about addition. It's about more. And Jesus' ministry was characterized by this very kind of cooperative mission, this ampersand endeavor. The first section that I just read from Matthew about Jesus' baptism, notice this. Um, He takes us, Matthew 13 through 17, takes us to the Jordan River for Jesus' baptism. Just to be clear, there were places inside the synagogues for ritual washings where he could have gone for purification. But Jesus' baptism was not a ritual washing. In fact, it was just the opposite of a ritual washing. Instead of purifying himself inside the synagogue, in his private holy place, what does he do? He goes right down to the Jordan River, the muddy Jordan River with John, his cousin, and all this line of people who we know from John's preaching were already sinners, and and Jesus joins right in with them. It's an ampersand moment. It's Jesus with the people and Jesus with John. He's announcing his ministry you know, even John says, I, I'm not sure about this, Jesus. You know, maybe I should, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm joining you. He's adding, one by one through the waters. The day you went into the baptism waters, you were joining God's great ampersand endeavor, the body of Christ. With hands and feet across centuries, in every corner of the world today, you join Christians, Baptist Christians, from Iraq to Ethiopia to Sweden to Japan. So remember your baptism and claim the message of its power. Remember your baptism. Because whether you were a child of seven or an adult of 35... You followed Jesus into baptismal waters. You dressed for it. You waited. You were blessed and you probably took someone's arm who lowered you into the water and under the water saying words something like these, I baptize you, my sister in Christ, buried with Christ, and then risen to walk in newness of life. Do you remember the feel of the water to your ears and through your hair? Do you remember going under the water and then with that boost of generous energy we come out? Risen to walk in newness of life. What other Lord do we have? And what other Lord do we need than the one who comes down to the Jordan to join with us? In baptism, and to give it to us as a symbol. You weren't baptized for a moment or even a season of your life, but for your whole life. Today we remember and claim again the power of our own baptism. We've been through that water for a purpose. So remember and let the water run through your heart. Not too long ago, I was in South Africa, at the Baptist World Alliance meeting. And in a Bible study that we led, we had people get together in groups of four and five and tell the stories of their baptism. People from all over the world. And my group was um, one German pastor who told the quirky story of baptizing a young woman in his congregation uh, who had bright pink hair, unbeknownst to him and her, that hair dye was uh, water-soluble. <laughs> and as he took her under it and brought her up, he said, both her white robe and mine became pink. We look like dyed Easter eggs in the Baptist tree. <laughs> uh, another one we heard was from uh, Iraqi. You know, there's a, there's a Baptist church in Baghdad, Iraq. They sometimes baptize in the dark because it's a scandal. It's risky to be seen being baptized in Baghdad, Iraq. And then the Chinese Chinese man in our group, he said, we have a problem with baptism in our church because we have to baptize 85 people at a time, 85. Jesus joined with us in baptism just as he died for us on a cross. This great ampersand invitation, you and you and you. We read the Gospels and the way in which Jesus' ministry is characterized by addition, by adding people, opening doors for them. And we see it in this next passage in Matthew where he's going after these fishermen to be his disciples. What an unlikely lot, right? Why didn't he go to the synagogue and and get some of the holy people to come be his disciples? But instead, again, he goes right down to the everyday waters of the Galilee and begins to call these fishermen up. They were casting their nets. Did you get that part? Because they were fishermen, come follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men." Well, just a few chapters later in Matthew, the kingdom of God is described as that net, squirmy and full of all kinds of fish. Remember all the times that they Jesus says, "Cast that net, and then they try to pull it in, and it's so full of fish they can't even hardly get it in. it's about to break. The symbol of the net. When Jesus returns uh, post-resurrection, you know that's that at, and he appears to them on the shores of Galilee, and he shouts out to them, put it on the other side, and they can't hardly bring it in. I will make you fishers of men, he says. What does that mean? Jesus is telling us he is going to make a net out of us. Disciples, I'm going to make a net out of you and you're going to be fishers of men and you're going to pull in people's lives and hearts and reach out to them. But what is a net anyway? It's not much when you stop and think about it. Just little pieces of twine in and of themselves, they're not worth much, are they? But you start nodding that one and nodding this one and nodding this one and knotting them together, I will make you fishers of men. I will make of you a net. That's an ampersand endeavor, isn't it? What you do and you do and you do by yourselves, as good as it is, is nothing compared to what it means when you tie your knot with the next person and make of ourselves a great net. For the kingdom of God. This net is an ampersand device. It's an image of and 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 this tangle of twine creates unexpected strength. And you know what? Our knots are pretty unbreakable when we're woven together. One way the love of Christ can be astonishing and a hundredfold in which we're woven together is through collaborative missions in partnership with the global church. In your participation in CBF, in your gifts and travel, in your prayers, you have been a part of a great net for the global church. We're working today to... Minister in places around the world just as you minister here. Creating beloved community just as you do in Jefferson City. Bearing witness to Jesus Christ just as you do in Jefferson City. And looking for transformational development in our communities. We're doing this around the world just as you are doing it here. We believe that ministry flourishes when we work together. We're born into this time and God is asking something of us. And one of the places that he's asking something of us is in the global church in China. God is working and spreading the gospel in China. I want to show you this slide. It's of Pengzhu, China. Now, you see these women here in front? They're practicing for their Christmas program. Uh, that's going to be in the in the church later this uh, this season. But you see this little building behind them that is kind of uh, it's a small building. You can tell it kind of has a tin roof or a tile roof. That's the original farmhouse in in Pungjo that was the original church here, and it was just a farmhouse that had been hollowed out and they put some benches in it and began to have a church there. Now as the church grew to fill this farmhouse. A facade was added. You see how you still see that tile roof behind there? But they added this facade right there. But a few years later, a terrible earthquake hit this area. And the church was greatly damaged. Now, you think this might be the end of this small church. But you would be wrong. Because of the generous help of Baptist Christians from all over the world, Hungarian Baptist and Cooperative Baptist and Missouri Baptist and Louisiana Baptists that came to help in that earthquake, the Christian community joined to help in the earthquake in this city. And they went out to help people and anybody in the city that it had had damage. And people said, what are you doing here in our city to help? And they said, well, we're part of the Baptist family, and there's a church here that we've been working with, and we're going to help you. And they said, well, you're not of our family, but you've come to help us. Yes, they said, we've come to help you. Well, you've brought us all these things. Yes, we've come to help you. Well, out of the number of people that spread out in that community to help, this church had a whole rebirth and growth rather than damage, They began to minister this selfless generosity to so many in the city. Even though their own church was damaged, this church grew even in the rubble. So I want you to see this next slide. This is the church upon you today. Look at that. They're flourishing. Their pastors are a couple, Timothy and Kathy Zulan. They have 16 meeting points. This church has spawned 16 new churches around the province. This is an ampersand church, connecting with churches like you for support and partnership. One of the things they say to us, we went to visit there. Our long-term presence, our ability to be in this small town and take that, nurture that farmhouse, and be there during earthquakes, and now help them be in ministry—it's the, it's just the most unbelievable thing. You'd think in communist China, the last thing you'd see is something as democratic as a Baptist church, but it's amazing. It's the lay people. It is the lay people that are leading these churches. The, Com- the communist China government tries to limit the number of pastors, and they thought that would limit the church. Little did they know. This is a Baptist spirit. The, the lay people here, are, they are hungry. They, and, and one of them said to me, look, what I want is the newsletters of one church for one year. They don't, they don't have a history of church. They don't know what church. They said, I want to see what a church does in January, February, March, April, May. I want to just get a whole picture of a church, year.'" because most of them are first-generation Christians. And they want children's programs, and they want ministries, and they want youth ministries. It's amazing, beautiful growth of the global church. So this is the last slide. This is the inside of that church. It looks like it could be this church, doesn't it? It's amazing. And I just have to tell you this one last thing about this church. They wanted a baptistry where they could actually, you know, do baptism by immersion. So they built it in the church. The problem was they couldn't find one Chinese plumber that knew how to do the plumbing. (laughs) So sure enough, we sent a crew, one of our disaster recovery crews that does plumbing when they do disaster recovery, we sent a crew over there to help them do the plumbing for their baptistry and also teach them how to repair it if it gets broken. (laughs) this ampersand endeavor, this invitation of Christ into the world. This is how we're doing missions in partnership. It doesn't happen as wonderful as mission trips are from churches. This kind of development over time doesn't happen from one mission trip. It happens from long-term personnel willing to be there, to be the catalyst for lay education, connecting people Working toward getting groups to come for the right purpose and the right season. The global church is depending on us to be their partner in ministry. We need each other to do big things for the sake of a big mission of God. This type of 21st century Christian engagement is worth our lives. It's worth our serious investment. And you know what? The persistence of God can be trusted. He's not waiting for us to come to heaven and knock on his door, is he? He's out there in in this community and in communities around the world at work, bringing things to pass. In almost any way you can define it, our worlds have changed. But God adds... God adds. God is looking for us, not waiting for us, but looking for us. He's on the move, touching people's hearts. This requires our attention. It requires us opening our eyes to God's great ampersand endeavor. Who is God seeking to add, to bring in? How can this ampersand of faith be lived out in our lives? My dream for CBF, for your church, is that we become the most vital, vibrant religious community in the United States and that we strengthen our voice of positive, cooperative Christianity. We are not here to make God's love smaller but bigger. A voice that exemplifies the best God asks of us. And so let me close by quoting Richard Rohr, who says this about and. And teaches us to say yes to Jesus Christ. And teaches us to say yes to a brother and a sister. And allows us to be both and, right? And keeps us from being either or. And teaches us to bless others who do missions in places we cannot. And allows us to ask for forgiveness and to apologize. And is a way of mercy And makes everyday practical love possible. And is the very mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice the ampersand. Notice it on your keyboard and your phone. Let it be a daily reminder of the way that Christ's love is inviting shorthand for a cooperative, positive gospel. Because Jesus continues to create the adventure of love that will shatter death. So please, share and live that gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.